Take your Bible, if you would, and look at Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, and then not to disappoint Dr. R, 1 Samuel 16, amen? 1 Samuel 16 and Romans chapter 11. Thanks for turning there. And again, this won't be a very, very long thought, and we will take time to pray after the uh, chapel services. We need to pray in a special way. I was talking to Dr. Chapel last night just before I spoke to the men, and he's very burdened about this conference, and we would be wrong to gather together this morning in chapel and not have prayer for the conference afterwards. I mean that with all my heart. He was telling me, uh, almost with a little tear in his eyes, 47 countries will be representative, pastors, missionaries, church planners. There are, uh, there are 30 planned youth conferences on Saturday. And in the Philippines, there are 30 planned big days at churches with different preachers preaching. And he said on Saturday and Sunday, he is praising or he is praying that thousands upon thousands be saved throughout the Philippines. And uh, with that kind of vision, we need to pray. Praise the Lord, you have a leader with that kind of vision. I mean that with all my heart. Evidently, there's some logistics still needed to be taken care of, and we need to pray for God's intervention on that in a big way. Many of my pastoral friends are going over. Uh, many of my friends in different countries are going over. I'm going to run over on Sunday night, and I just want you to say this. You would, uh, you would be scolded if you weren't involved with prayer. You'd be scolded not by the staff here. You'd be scolded by the Lord. Say amen to that. You need to be involved in the prayer for this Asian conference going on. I realize kickball is important. That's a joke. That's the best I get. That's why I want to hang out around Austin. I think he could teach me some jokes and different things. Kickball is important, but I hope the conference is on your heart this weekend. And I hope you'll be in prayer for that. Romans chapter 11, you're holding your place in 1 Samuel chapter 16. In Romans chapter 11, I want you to see a thought. Remember, this message is about edification. Look at verse 18, Romans 11, verse number 18. They're speaking about the Jewish versus the Gentiles in Romans chapter 11. And what they say about the Jewish and Gentiles is a little statement in verse number 18. He says in verse number 18, Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. The concept, if you read the context, is about the Gentiles and the Jewish, and that the Jewish, if you would, uh, because they rejected God for a period of time, has turned to the Gentiles, but he will return back to our Jewish brethren. Would you agree with that? Then he says this, but if thou boast, verse 18, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Let me give you this concept. We did not seek after God, God sought us. I'm not a Calvinist, but I do believe that it, it's God that initiates salvation. Is that okay to say that? You're looking, you got real quiet right there. May I say to you that it's our Lord that draws us. In fact, the Father draws us to the Son. John 6 says that. It's Jesus that authors, originates our faith. You had no way to believe unless Jesus gave you the way to believe. He authors our faith. 
He's still completing our faith. But we do have a free will, don't we? When faith comes and when we ask Christ to forgive us of our sin, He authors our faith, He draws us to Himself. And then may I remind you that He gives us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is our seal until the day of redemption. He seals Himself inside of us and He gives you, if you would, the, the, uh, the down payment, so to speak, of our salvation. Now please listen. Once we are saved, we're not holding on to God. God is holding on to us. I know we're supposed to abide. I know we're supposed to read. I know we're supposed to study. I know we're supposed to pray. I know we're supposed to walk in the Spirit. And all those things, and may I say to you, all that is of our free will. I realize we can break fellowship with Him, but we can't break salvation with Him. Why? Because we're not holding on to Him. He's holding on to us. The root, if you would, is the one that bears, the one that supports, the one that carries. Don't boast that thou bearest the root. Nobody's going to brag that they got to heaven. Nobody's going to boast and say, I made it. We're going to say it's by the grace of God. Amen. And may I say to you that the principle is that we're not holding on to the root, but the root is holding on to us. Statement. In Bible college, it's often talked about the will of God. The will of God. The will of God. Between students, the will of God. The will of God. Uh, with teachers, with instructors, the will of God. Questions about the will of God. And those, that topic is something that in Bible colleges is spoken about uh, casually. It's spoken about in class. It's spoken about, if you would, in fellowship. It's spoken about in serious discussions. It may be spoken about in preaching. Uh, but the will of God is something that many of you are truly seeking. You talk about it. I think the will of God is this. I think the will of God may be that. There's opportunities presented to you that maybe this is the will of God for you. And the will of God is spoken about quite a bit. Let me make a statement to you. Just as it says that thou bearest not the root, but the root thee, meaning that we're not hanging on to our salvation, but Christ is bearing us. Let me make this statement to you that oftentimes in the word of God, people did not find the will of God, but the will of God found them. I'm going to say that again. I know you're seeking the will of God, but I want to tell you something. If you stay walking in the Spirit, oftentimes in the Bible, you'll see that the will of God will find you. In unusual ways, many of my friends who've been serving the Lord for so long, if we said we found the will of God, we'd stop ourselves and say, wait a minute, I didn't really find it. It found me. Oh yeah, I was walking with the Lord and I was willing and I was yielded and I wanted to know His will. But if you study carefully in the Bible, oftentimes the major characters of the Bible, they didn't find the will of God. God gave them His will and they obeyed. 
In fact, sometimes they weren't even planning on it. Let me tell you what uh, I thought I would be after I became saved. I was an officer in the Marine Corps. I was one of those special forces guys. I was a recon Marine, and I got saved at Paris Island, South Carolina, the last place in the world that I ever wanted to be stationed. And it was through being stationed there that two men knocked on my door and offered to me a gospel track leading towards my salvation. After I got saved, I thought, okay, uh, there's certain things that I think I should be for the Lord. Because I have this background of training, I spent a lot of times in the jungle and jungle training, I think I could be a missionary. But one of the things that, that I don't think I need is, don't take this wrong, but I don't know, I don't think I need a wife. I don't know, women don't do real good in the jungle all the time. And with what I want to do, I'm not sure that she could keep up with me. You say, that sounds arrogant. I know. And then I thought, now I definitely don't want any children. Because responsibilities and children, man, I just don't know how that would work with what I have playing. And one thing I don't ever want to become is a pastor. Because pastor makes you stay in the same place all the time. And I want to be mobile. I want to move around. I, I think I'd do well as being a missionary in the jungle, taking the gospel to people who've not heard before and, and working out there. And I, I think that's what maybe God would have me to do. So let me fast forward to today. I've been married to the same woman since 1980. We have eight children. Don't look at me. That was my wife's calling. <laughs> we have 11 grandchildren. And I've been in the same church since 1980. And I've been pastoring there since 1984. And that wasn't what I had planned. But I wouldn't change it for anything. Because I didn't find the will of God so much as it found me. And I'm glad he didn't listen to my prayers. And I'm, I'm glad God didn't follow my script. What I had all planned out. Because he knew who I was and what I was. And he had something planned for me beyond what I ever thought he would do. Please look if you would in 1 Samuel. Take your Bible, 1 Samuel 16. And in 1 Samuel 16, I also want you to pick up 2 Samuel Chapter 7. Look at 1 Samuel 16. Stay right with me. And 2 Samuel chapter number 7. In 1 Samuel 16, I want you to see the verbiage, the wordage of the Word of God. Concerning David, and notice 1 Samuel 16, and look if you would at verse number 10. Remember, uh, God had told Samuel that you'll go down to uh, the house of Jesse. And there, at the house of Jesse, you will find who I want you to anoint to be king. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 10, all the sons had passed before Samuel, if you would, that Jesse had put in front of him. Look at verse 10. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are here all thy children? 
And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. Behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and, would you say the next two words? Say it. Fetch him. Say it again. Fetch him. Why do you say that? I want you to remember these two words. Send and say it. Fetch him. Go fetch him. Go bring him here. Jesse didn't even invite him to come before Samuel. Nobody thought there that God would choose David. He was the youngest. But when he said, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come thither, the Bible says that when he came, the Bible says, verse 12, he sent and brought him in. Describes him a little bit. And then God says in verse number 12, and the Lord says, arise. He says to Samuel, anoint him, for this is he. Please listen. David didn't find the will of God. The will of God found David. David was out doing what he was supposed to be doing. I'll say it again. David was out doing what he was supposed to be doing. David was where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to be doing, and the will of God found him. Go fetch him, bring him here. And then God said to Samuel, arise, anoint him. He didn't look like the most likely candidate. He was the youngest. He didn't have the great stature. In fact, Samuel, when he got in front of the first son, said, surely this is the right one. It wasn't. May I say to you, uh, background, stature, personality, God can work with anybody. And it will surprise you who he works with and how he works with them. You'll be surprised somebody that you would consider the most unlikely will do something for the Lord that even astounds many. May I say to you, oftentimes in the Bible, they do not find the will of God, but the will of God finds them. Let me show you what it says and how God narrates this. Remember the two words? What was the two words? Say it. Say it again. What? Look at 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter number 7. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, let me, uh, let's read the narrative of how God describes this. Remember the two words were what? Say it. He sent a son or a servant, if you would. He sent a servant to go and fetch him. But notice how God describes it in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Look at verse 8. Verse 8. Now therefore, so shall thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I, say it, took thee. I what? I took thee. In one place it says, go fetch him. But from God's standpoint, you know what God says? I took you. It was my will. It was my plan. It was my doing. I took thee from where? I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep to be ruler of my people over Israel. And I was with thee, whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name. I've underlined this in my Bible. I took thee, I was with thee, I have made thee. Again, verse 8, I took thee, 
Verse 9, I was with thee. Verse 9, I made thee. May I say to you, David was just out watching the sheep one day, doing what he was supposed to be doing. And what happened? One of the servants came and said, hey, your dad wants you. He went to fetch him. But in fetching him, the Lord took him, was with him, and made him. By the way, after they anointed him king, after Samuel anointed him king, if you study carefully, David went back to the sheep. I'll say it again. David went back to the sheep because it was from the sheep that dad called him to take groceries up to see his brethren just before he killed Goliath. Please look. You say, well, how will, how will God find me? He bought you. He paid for you. He owns you. He knows who you are. And he's got a plan for you already. Don't think it's not already all planned. What do you mean? When I was saying, well, Lord, I, after I just got saved, Lord, I think, I think maybe a missionary. Maybe, Lord, maybe a missionary. I heard some mission. Maybe a missionary. Or, Lord, I, I, I really don't need a wife, I guess. Please give me the gift so I don't need a wife. <laughs> and then, Lord, don't need any children. That'll be fine. Don't want that responsibility. You know, I'd, I wouldn't make a very good dad anyways. And, Lord, uh, Whatever, I, I don't want to stay in the same place all the time. Like I like to move around. I like to be out there, you know, like, like, like take that mission and then do that and then do this mission and do that. And while I was saying all that, you know, the Lord wasn't even listening hardly. You still with me or did I lose you? Because it's not my will be done. I was looking at the human aspects of it. I was looking at it humanly. I was looking at it like, fetch me. The Lord was looking at it like, I took thee. I was with thee. I made thee. I knew right where you were at. I know the other brethren didn't understand. I know Samuel didn't even understand. But I'm deciding. Are you still with me? And may I say, you have a free will to follow God. Just like you have a free will for salvation, you have a free will to follow God. You yield yourself to Him. And, and if, if He changes the course of your direction, and by that I mean you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm planning on this, that's good. And maybe God will work that all out. He's put that in your heart. Everything's fine. But make sure you stay yielded. Make sure you stay yielded because... He might change the course of your direction a little bit of what you had planned. I want to show you one more. Stay with me. Everybody getting this? Are you just quiet or are you thinking? Or both? Are you still trying to figure out when we're leaving on Saturday for kickball? <laughs> I know this. It's either 12 p.m. or 12 a.m. I want you to go out of here with this thought. I'm seeking the will of God. But I'm open to it being His will and not mine. And I'm open to being willing to say, if He's bearing me and He's hanging on to me, then I'm going to watch to make sure that what's in my heart for the will of God is what He wants me to do. 
And I'm going to keep seeking, but I'm not going to say I found it. I'm going to say it found me. That gives him his sovereignty. Are you still with me what I said? And give him his sovereignty. Look if you would at 1 Samuel 9. Stay right with me. I'm watching your time. 1 Samuel chapter number 9. And there's so many illustrations we could give. I'll just give you a couple. 1 Samuel chapter number 9. Now, if you're saying right now, boy, I, I thought this Pastor Fisher was a good preacher. I don't feel convicted about nothing. I'm not a good preacher. No, they said you were a great preacher. I'm not a great preacher. Don't believe your introductions. <laughs> They're just supposed to say that stuff. It's in the cue card. This guy needs to loosen up a little bit. You need to go to lunch with Austin. You guys could help each other a lot, amen? I know they're supposed to tell you how great preachers are, but most of the guys I know privately, we don't think we're great. We don't think we're great at all. We're just still glad to be a part of it. I'm just being honest with you. You say, do you guys get discouraged? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's warfare. Sure. I'm surprised when God does something once in a while. First Samuel chapter 9. Look at verse number 16, verse 15. First Samuel 9, 15. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear... A day before Saul came saying, tomorrow about this time, I will send thee a man. I want you to see that again. And if you underline things in your Bible, underline, I will send thee. I will send thee a man. Notice he'll come out of the land of Benjamin. And thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people to Israel. That he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. Notice what he says in verse 16. Tomorrow about this time, Samuel, I'll send thee a man and he'll come out of the land of Benjamin. And when I send him to you, you anoint him to be captain, to be king over my people. If you know the story and sometimes if you haven't read 1 Samuel 9, I'm not going to ask you to read the whole thing, but here's the way it started. Remember, God said, I will send thee a man. They woke up in the morning and Kish, the dad, the father of Saul, looked out and noticed the donkeys had escaped again. You say, what is the big deal about the donkeys? The donkeys were very important in this agricultural society. The donkeys were like the tractors of the day, if you would. The donkeys were beasts of burden. And the donkeys, if you would, helped the farmers in so many ways, shapes, and forms. And so when the donkeys were escaped, it was a big issue. And so... Kish, dad, got Saul and said, Saul, choose you out a servant and go after the donkeys. Please listen. The donkeys were supposed to be gone. What do you mean they were supposed to be gone? That was the, have you ever seen the little thing where they got a carrot in front of the horse and they're trying to get the, get the horse to go further and go further and go further? The donkeys were the carrot. The donkeys were get Saul to travel a certain direction to go a certain way. And so the donkeys got lost. 
Well, they went out looking for him and Saul takes a servant with him and they go out looking for donkeys, seeking the donkeys. Well, they had been out looking for a while if you read the chapter and uh, Saul was thinking, we better go back. My dad's going to be worried about me. Kish is going to be worried about me. My dad's going to be worried about it. And the servant said, before we go back, I heard there's a man of God. And the servant says, let's go ask the man of God. And what they were going to ask the man of God about was the donkeys. I'll say it again. What the servant said to Saul was, let's go find the man of God and let's ask him where the donkeys are. And uh, Saul said, well, if we go, I don't have anything to give him. And the servant said, I've got a little bit. And so finally Saul committed, if you would, and notice what you would, verse 6, look at verse 6. The servant said, and he said unto him, Behold, now there is in this city a man of God. He's an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go hither, thither. Peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. Please listen. The servant had no idea that that boy Saul was going to be anointed king. All he did was said, let's go up and find the man of God and see if we can find out where our donkeys are. Well, Saul agreed to it. And they went up to see the man of God. Please listen about the donkeys. But God had said to Samuel, about this time tomorrow, please listen, I will send thee a man. I'll say it again. I will send thee a man. He didn't tell Samuel what he was seeking. He didn't tell him anything about the donkeys. He just said, tomorrow about this time, I'll send you a man out of Benjamin. When Saul went up to see the man of God, he went up to talk to him about the donkeys. He had no idea he was going to be anointed king. Look, if you would, in verse number 17. Stay with me. Verse number 17. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold, the man who I spake to thee of this same shall reign over my people. Brethren, all Saul was doing was chasing donkeys and being obedient to his father. He was doing what his father told him to do. David was doing what his father told him to do. Are you still listening to me? Sometimes you just do what you know you're supposed to do and try to have a vision for the will of God. But may I say to you, be open that God may do something that astounds you. Be open. And, and, and when you get to my age, in your 60s, you'll say, no, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I, I was the guy that didn't want a wife. I was the guy that didn't want children. I was the guy that didn't want a pastor. You say, how'd you find the will of God, preacher? Well, uh, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I was studying the Bible at a Bible Institute, and a guy came by that uh, was on a 32-foot sailboat taking it to the mission field, and, and he got over to San Diego, and uh, the guy that was going to sail with him couldn't make the journey, and so he called back to our church and said, uh, hey, I need somebody to help me sail this boat to, uh, to the South Pacific and I can't do it alone. And do you have anybody or would you at least pray? Well, our pastor and our little church stood up and say, um, hey, you remember that boat? That guy came by on the boat. Uh, well, he's praying. The guy that was with him can't make the trip, can't make the journey. And so he's praying about someone joining him to get the boat from San Diego over to the mission field. And uh, so let's just have a word of prayer. And so we were praying about that. 
And after the services, uh, I, you know, didn't know anything else to do. I just went up to the pastor. I was a single guy and I said, Pastor, I could go. Huh? No, I just said to the pastor, I can go. And he said, what do you mean you can go? I said, well, I can go help the guy if you want. And he said, well, uh, Doug, do you know how to sail? And I said, no. <laughs> but I didn't know how to jump out of airplanes. And I didn't know how to insert scuba. I didn't know any of that. And we can learn. I mean, I'll just, if you want me, I'll go. He said, have you prayed about it? And I said, well, we prayed. I don't know. I just said I could go. <laughs> and he said, well, let me think about it overnight. And he called me the next day and he said, Doug, are you willing to go? I said, yeah, I am. He said, okay, I think, I think there's liberty. I said, okay. Three days later, I got rid of everything, got in my van, drove to San Diego. Did you know the guy that well? No. Why'd you do it? Please listen to this theological answer. I don't know. Pastor said, we need something. And I said, you know, I can do that, I guess. Got out to San Diego, true story. We started work on the boat, little Coast Guard base right there. Right next was the free anchorage. We had the 32-foot boat out in the free anchorage. We were working on it. On Saturday or on Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning, it was Sunday morning, uh, the guy that I was working for, that we were going to sail that boat. And by the way, we did sail the boat. We took it to American Samoa, Samoa, seven, 8,000 miles, him and I on that little boat. But before we went on that Sunday morning, he said, uh, Doug, we need to go to church. Uh, take the boat, little boat, rowboat, row up to the, uh, to the phone booth. Um, okay, phone booth. <laughs> a phone booth is about nine feet high. <laughs> and inside is a phone and a phone book. White pages, yellow pages. And if you're lucky, the phone book was not ripped, ripped off out of the phone book. And I went up and the phone book was there. And I looked through the yellow pages and he had told me, look under Independent Baptist. Because I didn't know a whole lot yet. I'd only been saved like nine months. And uh, so I got in the yellow pager, Independent Baptist. And I looked at them all and I said, I don't know which one. And so don't tell anybody, but I ripped the page out of the phone book. And I got in my little dinghy and rode back and gave it to him. And he looked at it. He looked at the little yellow page. And he said, he circled it and said, call this one. So I rode back up, took the yellow page with me, stuck it back in the phone book. And I called the church. And lo and behold, someone answered. Now look, a lot of your churches that you've come from, nobody answers the phone at your church on Sunday. Everybody's out doing something. Somebody answered the phone and said, hey, well, I just walking by, heard the phone ring, what do you need? I said, well, we'd like a ride to church. So he set it up. We, we, we got to church that evening. He came and picked us up. We went to church that evening, sat in church with him, heard the choir sing, heard the preacher preach. I looked to my... Uh, to guy, the, the guy I was serving, the guy, the main guy on the boat that I was serving. And he said, Doug, this will be the church that we'll fellowship with while we're here. God spoke to us tonight through the message. It's who we are. Independent Baptists, KJV, believe in the 
gospel, the Godhead, he said, we can fellowship with this church. Please listen. I didn't know that night that my wife was singing in the choir. If I would have known that, I would have been out the back door. <laughs> I didn't know that in 1980, my wife and I would marry at that church. We'd start the military ministry at that church. And then I'd become pastor of that church in 1984. What do you mean? You mean that church that you went to on Sunday night? Yes, Lighthouse Baptist Church. You say, so how did you find the will of God? In the phone book. <laughs> no, I didn't find it. It found me. Fetch him. I took thee. I was with thee. I made thee. I had it planned. Saul was out chasing donkeys. Went up to the man of God, brought his little shekel with him, offered it to the man of God to ask him about where he might find the donkeys for his father. And the Lord said to Samuel, this is the one, anoint him. How about Joseph? Did Joseph find the will of God or did the will of God find him? What do you mean? Joseph said to his brothers, you all meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And it was not you that sent me. It was God that sent me. How did God send him? Through a pit where they planned on killing him. Through the Midianites that put chains on his legs and fetters while he cried out to his brothers. Through Potiphar's house, God sent him. Where Potiphar's wife lied about him and put him in prison. And it was in prison that he interpreted the bakers and the butler's dreams. And God brought him up before Pharaoh. Are you with me? Joseph didn't find the will of God. The will of God found him. Look in your book. Start thinking about different people in there and you'll find out. Oftentimes they didn't find it. It found them. One more scripture and we're done. I'm watching your time. Look at Hebrews 12. Everybody still all right? Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. You say... This is not inspirational. All I learned today that you didn't want to get married. You got married and have eight kids, man. What was that all about? It's about not my will, but thine be done. I want to say that again. You're in Hebrews 12. It's about not my will, but thine be done. I hope you're still open to whatever God's will is. No, 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 I've told everybody i got to do this. Careful then. What do you mean? Careful how many, how many people you're telling me, telling what, what the will of God is for you. Don't get yourself bound up by what will the other guys think. Well, I told them I'm going to do this. I can't go back on it now. So shut your mouth. Is that a bad way to say it? Be quiet a little bit. Wait on it. Brother, what are you doing here? I'm not saying that like sarcastically, but you're new here. How'd you get here? Phone book? <laughs> are you still? Brother Rasman, what are you doing here? I know your story. We didn't plan on all this. 
And all I'm saying is don't get yourself bound in with men pleasing. And what will they think about me? Because I've already told them I'm going to do this and I'm going to be this as this one. And maybe that's going to come about. Maybe that's exactly what you're going to do. But what if God changes it a little? Are you willing to change with him? Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and we're done. Hebrews chapter 12. You know this, but I want you to see one little phrase. Verse 1 says, uh, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with uh, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Now, I want you to see the last little part of this. And let us run with, say it. Everybody say it again. The what? Please, let me ask you a question. What is the race? Uh, come on, what is the race? It's not a trick question. This is not a quiz. You won't pass or fail. We're not going to flunk you. What's the race? Your life. Come on, is that right? Your life. Does everybody agree with that before we go on? It is your life. Now watch the way it says it. Let us run with patience the race, our life, that is what? Set before us. Who sets it? I'll ask you again. What's the race? My life. That is set before us. Who sets it? God sets it. You don't set it, he does. Not my will, but thine be done. Maybe the will of God is exactly what you think it's going to be right now. I mean, it, God may have spoke to you and you're dead on track, you're right on track, you're right right where you're supposed to be. You're thinking the right way. You're preparing the right way. You're right on track. Or it might be that God alters it a little bit. And don't go out of here and go, man, that guy confused me. No, no, wait. There's no confusion here. Except to the guy who says, I don't want to have any wife. I don't want any children. And I don't want to be a pastor. I'm talking to you. Just kidding. <laughs> be careful that you don't set before God your parameters. Careful. You're not holding on to him. He's holding on to you. He's bearing you. Oh, you have a free will to get saved. Many have a free will to follow him. But brethren, it's not your choice. It's his choice for you. I'll say it again. It's not your choice. It's his choice for you. Well, I already know what the will of God is. He's already shown me. Good. Praise the Lord. But for some of us, it may be, <laughs> I never planned on that. <laughs> Just didn't see that coming. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sure glad that he set the race up. <laughs> 